Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Throw It Batch. This is a podcast where we throw back our favorite wine and cocktails while recapping the most loved and hated reality show, The Bachelor. But FYI, we don't hold back, which means we are talking spoilers, news and gossip, insider info, astrology, and more. You have been warned. I'm Sam. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Melissa. Let's throw it back. Hello, everybody. Welcome to an all-new episode of Throw It Batch. We are on the second episode of Matt James's season. How are you guys doing? Good. It was an awesome second episode. I'm so excited to dig into it with you. I mean, all of the gratuitous, sexy shower scenes that we got, Matt is, like, so steamy, and I'm just excited for more topless Matt this season. Like, I just appreciate him having a different personality. After Pilot Pete, I mean, you have to appreciate the fact that he is, like, nervous and a little timid and kind of like a little baby deer in the woods. I know other people, they, you know, they love to have this, like, dashing man who seems super in control of every situation. But I think Peter tried being too much like other contestants in the past and it threw him off. There, here's a good pun. After Peter's season, you can only go up from here. Get it? Because he's a pilot. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's a good so one. True. <laughs> well, is anyone going to compliment my sweater? Because I'm like, just. It's, it's cute. It is divine. It is soft. And it is also Cynthia Rowley. Oh my God. I kept the tag because I'm single-handedly contributing to Kit's empire. Yeah, you're single-handedly contributing to Kit's trust fund, so you're welcome. Exactly. So we have Brie for the first one-on-one date. I feel so passionately about Brie. As we know, she likely makes it to the final four. Reality Steve keeps on basically retracting his predictions, and he said he thinks Brie makes it to the final four. I personally think she makes it to the final two and is totally heartbroken, but we shall see. So they go ATVing. And she gets on his, and he's such a boy. He literally throws her off of this ATV. She's such a good sport, and I want her to, like, teach me how to flirt. She's hard to get. She's also complimentary and sexy, but she doesn't give too much away. I was thinking the same thing during the date, and I love her, too. Like, she's gorgeous. Her style is totally on point. Like, this is the type of style and fashion that I like to see, which is a big reason that I watch The Bachelor. Like, I like seeing how these girls put themselves together. And she is so poised. I think that's the best word to describe her and to describe her flirting style and how she was on this date. Like, she's a smart girl. She can communicate well. She's fun, flirty, and just so poised. Like, she draws you in. She's She's the full package. I love her. He's also the one person besides Matt James, I'm exaggerating, that has so much Sagittarius in her chart. Sagittarius all the way down from the sun, the moon, the Venus, Mercury, Mars. Forget it. If they ever thought of the phrase go with the flow, they were talking about someone like Brie. I mean, imagine Kit or Victoria being thrown off of that ATV with mud all over them. They would have been like, haha, it's fine. It's fine. Like go behind a tree and like cry and yell at a producer. Yeah, no way. Victoria would have been like, you almost killed me, but 
I forgive you. I die for love. I know. She'd be like, I'd die for you, baby. I would die for you. And he would be like, um, I'm, I'm really afraid of you. Then we get their little hot tub time. Matt is just so awkward with the kisses. Am I the only one that sees it? It just seems like, oh, okay, we're talking. We're talking. Kiss. It's not like sexy eyes, sexy eyes, lean in, feel the room. It's just like, I'm going to do it. Boom. I'm doing it. Making out with your face. You know, I didn't really notice that. I noticed later on in the episode, like the kissing with the eyes open, which was a little odd, but I think that that could be a result of, you know, knowing someone for maybe an hour in total and going in to kiss them in a hot tub. Um, but I, that's something I'm going to look for next episode. That is true because you know what he probably does since he's not used to the cameras? He probably looks to see what the camera people are and like what they're doing and then goes in for the kiss and they have to edit that out. So all we see is like this awkward like boom. Here is when I kind of got my first real liking of Matt James. Okay, my first, wow. Okay, I think I can do this with you. I can go on this journey with you, Matt. When they make out and he just looks at her and smiles and he goes, I have mud in my mouth. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't when he was chopping that wood? No, it it wasn't. It was the mud in his mouth. You can see like what kind of man I'm after. Just someone with a dirty mouth to make me laugh. I don't need him to chop the wood. I can hire somebody for that. It doesn't need to be either of our jobs. So then we get to the dinner portion of the night and boy, does Brie have an interesting background. I had to rewind because I was like, wait, did she just so casually say that her mother had her at 13 years old? I commend her mom. Like that must've been like such a trying time in her life. Yeah. And I mean, it didn't sound as though she had a ton of support, like from the grandparents. I mean, but at 13 years old, you are a child. So she basically said that throughout her whole childhood, her whole life, her mom never dated. Like she was completely put off by men, it sounds like. Um, and just, it was just her and Brie all of the time. There's obviously like more missing to the story, but she said during quarantine, she found out her mom was engaged and is pregnant. And if she's as close with her mom, you know, as she says she was, like, wouldn't she know if she had a boyfriend that she was dating? It all seemed to kind of just come as a really big surprise to Brie. But she did say that she did have a little bit of a relationship with her father, And her and Matt, like I think I said this last episode, usually in a season, the lead finds someone that just is so similar to them. And I mean, their lives like seem to be relatively similar. I loved it for both of them because I felt like talking about it was so cathartic for each of them. They really never felt like anybody could understand. I think they would be a great match. And I wish that we had more spoilers because I want him to break up with whoever he is with and go running back to Brie. Let's say that happened. Do you think Brie would take him back? Because I'm not so sure. Depends how the connection goes or how she feels like rewatching the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like there's still like so much to be determined. She she seems like someone who's like really confident and like independent. So I would like lean towards saying probably not now, but see what happens, how this journey unfolds. And then, of course, we see that he gives her the rose. There's fireworks. All of the girls are watching the fireworks. Do you guys see a relationship here with Brie and Brendan? Two names start with B. First one-on-one date. We all are, like, buying into it. It feels great. We love it so far. We totally ship. The ship is sailing. And fireworks at the end, 
I'm really nervous for her. I think this player is going to be messed really hard with the producers. We really felt like Tasha had something real with Brendan, but because the first one-on-one date went too well, the producers felt like they needed to challenge certain aspects of their relationship. I really hope not. I really hope they don't mess with her. That's all I'm thinking. Like making her the last fantasy suite date or whatever they do. I think it's different because uh, as much as I think Matt likes her, I think that he's still going to be really enticed by the bad girl. This is probably an unpopular opinion, but I'm going to say it because I think it could end up being right. I think in his head, he knows who the rich girls in this cast are. Why is he keeping Victoria around? Why is he keeping Kid around? Like, he knows who the women with the wealthy families are. And I think that is something that he really wants, to be honest with you. So just want to keep that in your back pocket. Sagittarius care a lot about success. So if somebody embodies success, it might not be like the most shallow version that people might want to subscribe to thinking, but I th- you're, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And then we just get a little, little taste of uh, Marilyn and Victoria. We'll get into them more later, but they're arguing. Victoria is really proving herself as like a bona fide kook in this episode. (laughs) Corinne was the best character that was called a villain. Like, you love to hate Corinne and you laughed at her. And she actually really just didn't give a fuck. Like, she was taking naps. She was doing whatever she wanted. She really didn't care that much about what the girl said about her. Victoria is just different and she's not as fun to watch for me. And maybe this is editing, but I feel as though they're making Marilyn look like this sweet, timid, easy to attack kind of person and Victoria is just zeroing in on her. Really interesting dynamic with all of these women. I do obviously feel like some stuff has been cut out, but I still think Victoria is pretty authentically mean and losing her marbles a little bit. Oh yeah, she is starting to unravel. We can see the threads coming loose in this episode. I don't think she's going to be around long and I'm pretty happy about that. I think she is. Matt James is basically, like, in two of the interviews I've listened to with him, he's like, yeah, no, Victoria's going to be around for a little bit. And and he thinks Victoria is hilarious and smart. And that is when the bell started going off in my head. And I'm like, okay, why would he like her? She is rich. Like, he has to know that her family's rich. Like, I don't see any other way around it. So we get a group date with literally like 16 women, I think. This is one of the biggest group dates we have ever seen on the show. I do believe I'm missing one person, but here is on this group date. Chelsea, Serena P, Abigail, Sydney, Alana, Kristen, Lauren, Jasenia, Serena, C, Kit, Kylie, Katie, MJ, Mari, Piper, Rachel, Victoria, and that is it, I think. It's another wedding thing where Franck, who was on... The last season, he was also on Nick Vile's season with Corinne, who we were just talking about. He's there. He looks like he has been sleeping in a tanning bed ever since La Quinta. I could barely recognize him. This date's kind of stupid. Not all of the girls got to pose with Matt. How did they get chosen? I don't know. I don't think that's really fair. We saw Jasenia, though, come out to play as a real contender this episode. I think she's so pretty. She kind of reminds me of Catherine Lowe, Sean Lowe's wife, because of her mm. demeanor and they look kind of similar, I mean, they're both absolutely stunning. I think that she could potentially make it to like final six or final eight. She kisses him in front of everybody, and it seems like a genuine connection. Victoria also sticks her tongue in his throat in front of everybody, and she has her bra hanging out of her dress. It's just like 
it's a bit of hot mess central over here. I had no idea that not everyone even got to take pictures. I thought they just weren't showing everyone. Literally that list for that date was as long as a CVS receipt. I mean, that's how big the season like should be in general. 16 to 18 girls cap it out. That's how many Tasha had to choose from. So then they play a game of basically capture the flag-ish, which is one of my biggest nightmares. I fucking hate that game. Anytime at camp where we had to play that game, I would just literally hide in a bush. The game was called Capture Matt's Heart, AKA Capture the Heart. I don't understand the game. There was paint, there were bouquets, there was cake. God, these girls were attacking each other. And I guess for some of them, it felt cathartic. They could get all of their anger and aggression out. It's a, it's a great way to pin the women against each other to keep the animosity around. The red team wins and they get to go to the after party with Matt. Rachel was on the gold team. She's crying in an ITM. We're going to get into some gossip with her later, but I just don't trust her and I don't think she's authentic. Do you think that what we know about Rachel is maybe like hurting the view that we have of her or do you think that you can see right through her regardless? For me, I kind of think it may be tainting my view of her because, I mean, we're two episodes in. She hasn't really done anything crazy. She hasn't had a ton of time. So I think it may be tainting my view of her a little bit. It's 1000% tainting my view of her. I feel like if this came out after the season, I would have been happier because I just want to know how I feel about her without this tainted view. She reminds me of two movie villains and I can't put my finger on the second one, but the first one is the villain and she's all that. Again, we'll keep our eye on Rachel. The girls come back, even Katie, who is usually so positive and funny. She's crying. She feels like she has a connection with the guy, but you know, you can't fall in love if you don't spend time with him. But I do think Katie will be around for some time to at least verify if there is a connection or not. So after that absolute mess of a day, like I was literally cringing during that whole crazy group date, we have a really nice scene here where we kind of get to know some of these women who have been more under the radar. Matt has a really great conversation with Lauren, who is someone who like, I don't even remember from episode one, honestly. (laughs) They talk about their faith and it seems like he's really loving the conversation. Faith's obviously very important to Matt. Um, He talks to Jasenia and they, they have a cute conversation. She talks about how she's dealt with a lot of infidelity. Matt says some things about like how being a man, he has certain responsibilities in a relationship that I didn't necessarily love the vibe of. Just, you know, those traditional gender roles I don't always love people talking about and feeding into. But it was really nice to see more of Jasenia. She seems like a really sweet person. And then we have more Victoria. It was just such a cringy conversation. She is so not self-aware. She talks about her insecurities, which is great you're opening up, but like it's so trivial compared to how some of the other people are opening up. She's like, sometimes I don't like the bags under my eyes and it's really hard for me to admit that. So um, I hope you can accept me for me and know that even though I seem like a strong woman, I cry every night. (laughs) Yeah, it, I mean, it was just such a cringy, not self-aware conversation. And the cherry on top was her asking him for a kiss before she left. And he was just so not <laughs> into it, but he did give her a kiss. Um, it was just so awkward and uncomfortable. And I am not a fan. 
Um, and then Lauren ends up getting the group date rose, which also, you know, really highlights how important faith is to Matt and how much he really liked learning about that part of Lauren's life. Yeah, you want to know a way to Matt's heart? It's not food, it's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, on Bachelor Happy Hour, they were like, what's your middle name or something? Guess what his middle name is? Jesus. Close. Christian. <laughs> yeah. Really with the hits the nail on the head with that one. Appropriate. So then we get into our second one-on-one date of the episode. And I really love one-on-one dates. So I was I was excited to get another one here. And this is with Sarah. They go on some type of a small airplane ride, which is just absolutely terrifying to me. And it looks like Sarah was pretty terrified as well. But it does look like they had fun. The highlight of this one-on-one date was their dinner conversation. Sarah opens up to Matt about her father's struggle with ALS. She tells him that she had to quit her broadcast journalism job to move home and be a caretaker for her father, which it I can't imagine de- ha- like dealing with something like that. And Sarah just seems like such a strong, nice person. And it seems like Matt felt the same way. She gets the rose. The date wasn't like quite as fun as I thought um, Bree's date was, but... It it was nice. What do you guys think? I like Sarah a lot, but to be realistic, she has such a commitment to her father. She basically said that he's already outlived what the doctors told him, you know, so hopefully he's around for a lot more years, but, you know, realistically, it could be less. But at the end of the day, you know, whoever Matt picks, they're going to be going on a press tour. He's not going to move to San Diego, probably, and like live in the house with her parents, just as far as coupling and like what their lives could look like together, she's she could barely leave her dad to be on the show, you know? And I also think she will end up probably leaving because of that. But how are they, how would they really work in the real world, you know? I was thinking that during their dinner, but clearly the dad is still here. He's fine. And, you know, she's, she's popping champagne with him the night of the premiere. I can't decide if that scene where he's on the side of the street, like crying and Chris Harrison's like, you okay, buddy? And he's like, no. Then he gets in a car. I feel like that could be with her leaving or something like that. Um, Also, Matt James posted a swipe up about the ALS Foundation and how you can donate. And I just thought that was really, really awesome and sweet of him. That is really nice. And yeah, I mean, Sarah, someone who in the prime of their career, quitting their job to go home and be a caretaker for their father. I mean, we really know at the core what type of person she is. But I do think you're right. This could be some foreshadowing. I'm, you know, interested to see what happens. Maybe maybe she's the Brendan of this season and needs to self-eliminate. So then we go on to the, co- the cocktail party. And we see Abigail again, who was our first impression Rose winner. And we didn't really see her much during the group date. It's clear that Matt is really, really into her. I think that it's really easy to tell when Matt likes someone and doesn't like someone. You can tell his facial expressions, the way that he acts, his body language. And it's clear that he really, really likes Abigail. Rachel has a conversation with him and they talk about how they lock eyes when they're in a group setting. Kind of just, you know, letting us know she's going to be here for a while, that they really do like each other. So an important conversation during this cocktail party takes place between Marilyn and Matt. Marilyn's someone who has not really been seen a lot, and she, I guess, feels this way too. She feels that she's been kind of pushed aside. She tells Matt that she's been feeling hurt. She hasn't gotten a lot of time with him. It's been really challenging for her to be there. 
I personally did not like this. Like, it's week one. There's a million other girls here. I, I wouldn't, like, complain to the lead in my small amount of time with him. So I was not really feeling that. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts. Well, in Marilyn's defense, I believe she was one of three women that didn't get on any date at all. So that probably is why, but... Yeah, she definitely, she needs to take some hints from Brie and some flirting tips from Brie because she needs to play it cool. I think, though, that she seems like a really nice girl. I think she's taking this a little bit too intensely and too seriously. I don't dislike her, but I don't think that her and Matt are a good fit. And it seems like maybe she's looking for a man that is going to validate her 24-7. She also seems really insecure. And it just seems like the two insecure girls in the house have really just pitted against each other, which is sad. You know, girls need to build each other up. But at the end of the day, I just felt bad for her because it seemed like she was being bullied and in a situation and she does want peace. Do I see a connection with her and Matt? No. Do I like her? Um, I do like her. Marilyn is one of the most grounded people you could probably come across. Virgo, Virgo, Capricorn. She's grounded AF. I think it ruffles Victoria's feathers that she's so freaking grounded. I don't get a grounded vibe from her. I feel like a grounded person wouldn't get in their head thinking that the lead isn't paying them enough attention. I would take like a grounded person to like have more confidence, understand the situation that you're one of, how many girls are still here. Uh, my dislike for her could be playing through. Well, maybe this is what happened. She realized just as Sam said that she wasn't a part of all those dates. She's falling way behind. Maybe Matt had enough of a connection with her and then realized, oh, damn, she's really getting cut out of these opportunities with me. So he decided to make up for it by getting that orchid. I seriously thought that orchid was like a design prop at Nemacolin or Nemacolin, and he just like pu pulled it out of the woodworks. It and I was like, this like is it. so fake. Yeah. Okay. Well, he did verify. He did verify yeah, on Bachelor Happy it. Hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and he, he was like, no, you don't know what I went through to get that orchid. <laughs> so, <laughs> or maybe the producers are smart enough to be like, okay, if she's already in an altercation with Victoria, let's make her even more insecure. And then on top of that, she's being X'd out of all these opportunities to spend time with Matt. He brings her a prop from the prop closet at Nema Collin of an orchid, and everyone behind the scenes knows that this is going to trigger Victoria. And it sets off some crazy conversations. Oh, LOL. Victoria calls herself an empath. What is she thinking? I'm kidding. She probably is. I mean, she's, she's got. I was thinking no. of you guys when she said that. There's no one in the world with a Cancer Moon that's not an empath. Cancer Moons, if you hear me, you're a freaking empath. There are unaware empaths. I know she's calling herself an empath. She doesn't know what to do with it. She doesn't know what to do with her abilities. So she's absorbing everyone's insecurities. She's never gotten her own under control. And she's completely um, bursting at the seams, as we can all see. She kind of seems like an only child to me or a kid that like had a lot of older siblings that she didn't grow up with. She was like the baby. Yeah, just like very used to getting her own way and not like making space for others. I also know people that are like one of nine and they're like Victoria, because they have to constantly fight for attention. Oh, you mean like Noah? <laughs> oh yeah, Noah. <laughs> and Nick Vile? Yes. Oh, I forgot about Nick Vile. I have a sex dream update for you guys. Oh, Jesus I Christ. <laughs> oh, let it unfold. With Nick? 
he like loved me in my dream. He was in love with me. And I was like, you're such an asshole. And he's like, I know, but I won't be one to you. And I was like, okay, baby. And he's like, get in bed. And I was like, okay. And then I woke up the next morning and I was just like, what have I done? What have I done? Did you, did you have this dream last night? It was two nights ago. (laughs) Sorry, we digress. I just had to let you guys know. That means that you can see yourself in him. And it's about sex. It means that you identify with the characteristics of that person. Or you just like want to have sex with them. You probably want to have hate sex with him. And you know what? He, if he doesn't have that hate sex with you, he'll regret it. Because I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah, so Victoria's left eye is messed up. I don't know if, like, the spirits decided to punch her in the eye. I don't know if a real person punched her in the eye. I don't know. It looked like both someone punched her in the face and farted on her eye, like, at the same time. I want to know who went and like farted on Victoria's pillow or just like farted on her face in the middle of the night and she didn't know because something happened. They definitely all farted on her pillow to just like give her a nice little pink eye or something. (laughs) It looked like she was punched. It looked like it was also her excessively rubbing it from allergies or something or people just kept profusely farting on her pillow. We were actually saying that in the clubhouse, by the way, you guys, if you're not part of our clubhouse room every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you are missing out because you would have heard us rolling on the floor laughing about this first. And, and, and Victoria, I really tried, but then when you're exemplifying like toxic behavior, oh my goodness. You can only be a narcissist if you're denying the ability to be an empath. So a narcissist has the ability to be an empath, but they just decided to take a different road, like put their soul away. Victoria, I really hope you were just, you know, going through a lot of shadows and you just needed to work through it and the cameras caught you at your worst moment. Well, and here's the thing too, aside from her behavior, this is something I've seen pop up in a lot of the groups I'm in. I'm not sure if I 100% agree with it. I feel like in person, Victoria is probably a very attractive woman, but compared to these other women who all literally have it so together, are so beautiful, people are saying that they feel it's cruel that Victoria was cast in this group of women because she looks different than them. She doesn't have it together like they do. She's less beautiful than they are, which is cruel, but that in a way she was just put on to be made fun of. And then there's also the theories that she's a producer plant, which the we see her talking to the producers throughout the entire episode. Wait, who is she talking to? Oh, that's not someone we know. That's a producer. So there's all these kind of theories about her, but as far as her not being as beautiful as the other women, I would really like to think that that is completely false because that sucks. The thing is that beauty comes from within. So she definitely has like some shadow work. Maybe she doesn't like being compared to other women. That's like her biggest shadow is being compared to others. And now you're in a circumstance where the only thing you're there for is to be like against all these other women fighting for one man's heart. It's the nature of the game. I think like she got put in a simulation where it's like pretty much her worst nightmare and she's unraveling at the seams. She doesn't need to be like a conventional form of beauty, like somebody that would be on Cosmopolitan in the 90s. Like she doesn't need to be, but her personality right now is stinking. I think that if she had like a beautiful soul and mentality and was really kind to the other women, I don't think they would be like picking on her. 
I hope she, she is in therapy and does some work on herself and then she'll come to paradise and just fuck it all up again. You know, so Victoria goes and tells him that Marilyn was her roommate and that she's been sleeping on the couch where, I mean, again, very easy vantage point for anyone who wants to fart on the pillow. So then he says he's really glad that she shared that with him and he's going to get to the bottom of it. He's now basically convinced that Marilyn is bullying Victoria. Come on, Matt James. Yeah, how are his opinions so easily swayed by this lunatic? Exactly. I don't, I just don't get it. He pulls Marilyn aside and she right away asks him if she's in trouble. And I feel bad for her because I normally put myself in this position. (laughs) If you're going to put yourself in the perspective of Matt James and someone's like, am I in trouble? You kind of look like someone who's guilty even though you're just someone who knows what's good. Victoria then tells the girls what she told Matt. Bad move. Honestly, Victoria as a villain is like playing a lot of moves wrong. First off, you just got there. You're not even creating any alliances. You're giving everyone every reason to hate you. I would have stood up at the rose ceremony just like completely called her out, especially if I had a rose already. If you guys were any of the other women, especially women that had roses, that had a connection with Matt, would you have stood up for Marilyn and put 1, yourself thousand percent? Yes. Yeah. If 1, it was thousand percent. If it was true that she really hadn't done anything and Victoria was just trying to like be a mean girl and get her in trouble, or they personally had beef, and I like had a rose, and you know, yeah, I would. I would hope that I would be the, someone who would stand up for an innocent person being framed. Yeah, and it's she's easy to stand up for. It's Victoria against everyone else. It also made me wonder, though, like, A, is Victoria truly delusional by expressing that and telling the girls what she had done? Or does she have some kind of friendships with some of the women that we haven't seen? Like, why would she just up and say that thinking everybody would support her? Is she that crazy? Or does she have girls that have said to her, oh, yeah, like, Marilyn's a little bitch. Like, I don't like her, you know? I think she's probably a little delusional. Even though she lacks a lot of tact and forming alliances, I do feel that maybe she understands how easy insecurity can seep into her. So maybe she's like, yeah, let me just say a couple things to make insecurity seep into the rest of the group and make them more preoccupied by this versus how they feel about Matt. Marilyn then tells Matt James that she's not the type of person to spite anyone. He says that he is concerned and has a lot to think about. I think that that's what the producers tell him to say. (laughs) Well, he just like up and walked away from Marilyn, which I found rude. I just feel like there's something missing or else he's just really wants Victoria to stay around for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, I really hate that there's like no conclusion to this. So then we're into like the Victoria versus Marilyn scene. That was so mean. This is where I'm like, Victoria, sorry, not sorry. Like, you are a bitch. You are mean. If someone is trying to put out an olive branch, like, it was just nasty. Yeah, it was insane. And how she said she didn't even want to sit next to her. Like, what in the world? It, it was bizarre. I don't like, like, using the word triggered because at this point, the word triggered even triggers me. But I was triggered. Me too. I really, wa- I really was. Like, the, like, this was complete gaslighting. This was, it was toxic. I have been the Marilyn before. I've been the Marilyn at summer camp. I've been the Marilyn when, like, I accidentally wore the same dress to homecoming as a girl. And she literally bitched me out and, like, made me feel like a piece of shit, you know? I just, I felt so bad for her. Like, as maybe insecure and perhaps annoying as Marilyn is, 
this was not right. And also Marilyn has been very nice in her DMs to us, giving her her birth chart information as well. I'm team Marilyn, especially after this scene, because if you're a girl and you've grown up with mean girls, which let's be honest, if you aren't the mean girl, then you've had mean girls be mean to you. It was very reminiscent of that. So Marilyn goes and talks to Abigail and privately cries and goes to her for support. And Abigail hugs her. And it was just so sweet. And any friend of Abigail is a friend of ours. So, And I feel like you can really tell with these women who they're close with on the show more about their character. I really think anyone that's friends with Abigail is a good person. I don't think Abigail is fooling anybody. Like this is just who she is. I think she's a super kind person. Acts of kindness that other women show each other and support that you see, that to me is what really turns me on about a woman. As far as on The Bachelor, I'm like, I like you because I saw you help that girl up. I like you because I saw you hug that girl when she cried and was there for her when nobody else was, you know? Women who support women, I support. So the rose ceremony happened. Wait a minute. Let me just like back up and give my commentary on these outfits. Kit, bomb. Rachel's was bomb. Serena C, absolutely amazing. Abigail, always perfect. Then Sarah falls over during the rose ceremony and Brie takes her out to get producers and help her. Sagittarius and Aries, mm, like peanut butter and jelly. Matt goes over to see what's going on and she says that she's seeing stars and that she's going to pass out. They get the medic. They leave us on pretty much for a cliffhanger. I don't like this. I want to make sure that Sarah's okay. I want to know what's going on. What lack of nutrients is causing this? Is this vertigo? Like, what's the deal? There was a lot of people online and, you know, some of the groups that I'm in that were like, oh, Sarah, you know, she knows what she's doing. She is trying to get attention. I really don't fucking think so, especially as someone that is a caretaker of someone that is actually really, really sick. I don't think she would ever, ever do that. Yeah, these days are super long. I'm sure they're exhausted. They're stressed out. They're nervous. They're probably not eating proper meals like they should be. They're drinking alcohol. Tensions are high. Dehydrated. Dehydrated. Or when you're standing and like your legs are locked too, that can like make you faint more she just got lightheaded and fainted like she'll be okay but it's scary i love how all the circumstances have played out so well for her to make me trust that she is the person that we want to see in her because she's so beautiful i mean honestly it would be easy to judge her it would be easy to say oh she tried to faint on purpose but luckily there's proof behind that she already had a rose she didn't need that then we get into uh, scenes for next week we can see Sarah crying. I mean, I would too. Victoria calls someone a calculating little bitch. Again, projecting. The amount of projecting Victoria has done this episode is like the amount of projectile vomit I have done when I started drinking in high school. It is horrific. Jasenia says to someone, maybe Brie, uh, that she only spent a couple of hours with him and it is not normal to have this kind of attachment to Matt. And that's kind of mean. Um, Katie and Victoria fight and ding, 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 Capricorn versus Capricorn. I love to see it. Walk those horns, baby. I just want to see Katie take her out with that dildo to smack her across the face. Maybe that's where she got the pink eye. <laughs> Ooh. I would never let my dildo touch Victoria's pillow. Are you kidding me? Hopefully Katie brought two. One for prop, one for play, if you know what I mean. <laughs> A wise woman would.
Well, that wraps it up for the recap of episode two of season 25 of The Bachelor. We have some Bachelor Nation news and gossip to share with you quite a bit, actually. Just a quick uh, update on Kelly and Pee-Pee. You know what? I'm still interested because I fell for Kelly. I like Kelly. Peter has been all over Instagram being like, we're ready to move. He's being sponsored on Instagram by a moving company. So I feel like he has to post 24-7 about the move. Um, he's probably got it free. But it just seems like from the beginning, they promoted him and Kelly that they were making this move together as this like life change thing they decided to do together. And now he's, you know, just like, I'm going, I'm so excited. I just think it's really tone deaf and really fucking rude. Kelly is still with her family in Florida. And actually on an Instagram post recently, she said she still is planning to move to New York City in March and she will be in Florida until then. I mean, she gave up her apartment. She doesn't have a place to live. I hope the truth comes out sooner rather than later. I feel like when Peter gets to New York, he's going to have sex with so many women. And I just cannot wait to the day that Kelly shows up and she shows him up and she starts dating some like famous celebrity that is actually a legitimate man. And um, he sees her out in public and realizes what a huge mistake he made, what a fucking idiot he is. That's a little update from that. I don't know, who would you guys like to set her up with? No one in this franchise. A nice businessman or, you know, someone in the city who's established and a little older. <laughs> yeah. Not Army Hammer, though. No, no. <laughs> he, will, he will eat her brain, um, if you guys haven't known. Uh, he is uh, now a sexual cannibal, apparently. Google it. Okay, so <laughs> here's some interesting news. So there is a song that recently came out. We posted this on our Instagram stories the other day. I think this is just fascinating and I can't believe this is actually happening. The artist's name is Brighton. Apparently he has been dating Cassie uh, from Colton season, Cassie Randolph. And I think they were dating when this whole stalker um, situation went on with Colton. And he's a musician. He came out with a song called Creep and it's apparently about Colton. Here's one of the lines. You can't stop thinking about my baby. What once was yours in the world is changing. God, I hope you get your thinking right. GPS on the underside told her everything would be just fine. Damn, I can't believe these guys. And it, the song basically continues explaining what a creep Colton is. It's catchy. I kind of like it. It's on my winter 2021 playlist. I'm not going to lie to you. That's really juicy. Let's get into this season. Reality Steve, again, has basically said, even more so than last week, he has no idea what the fuck actually happened. And that he doesn't even know if Rachel is really the actual winner, but her family has just been going around saying she was and her friends. So per Reality Steve, Sarah isn't long for this show. I'm not sure what episode it is, but she definitely leaves because the situation isn't for her. I think she struggles with the process of watching Matt date other women but add that to the fact that she felt guilty about leaving her dad. That's the reason she eventually eliminates herself from the show. Expect that in the next few episodes. So I have the feeling that, like I said before, Matt crying on the street, it's probably because Sarah left. Yeah. I mean, this makes sense. I can see this playing out. So here's the Rachel T. This is really bad. The girl that posted the TikTok, I think it was last week, saying that Rachel bullied her for liking black guys in the past, a girl from high school. She since has posted a four-part or five-part 
TikTok explaining she turned off comments on the original video because apparently, first of all, Rachel's BFFs, her friends, were just saying so many nasty things and then they deleted their comments because I think Rachel called them and was like, um, no, this is just making me look much worse. Then she, the interesting TikTok I want to mention is one that she posted just very recently that is screenshotting DMs that she has received in the last couple of weeks since she posted her original TikTok of other people claiming to have been bullied by Rachel and her friends. Like you could really make like 10 like Instagram accounts and just message yourself or this really did happen. Like I don't, I don't know, but I feel like if you're going to make me hate you to that point, which I will because I've personally experienced like some really horrible stuff. Like I want a little bit more proof because it's, I'm going to take it. To think somebody would make legitimately make new Instagram accounts, like eight of them or something to send yourself a message. Is it possible? I guess so. Is it likely? I don't think so. Especially very likely because everyone's now attacking you for even saying that this is what happened. I don't think it's likely, especially after seeing these like four, the four, four part TikTok thing that she was just kind of explaining herself saying, I kind of just want an apology. I don't like that this girl's being put on a public platform. I'm not asking for anything else. Like I don't want it. She turned the comments off. I'm just going to give you guys a recap of some of these messages that she apparently received. I just want to preface though, like I'm not defending Rachel. Yeah. I'm just being the kind of person that's like, I need more proof because these bubbles where the fate, like the person's username is completely Well, because they want to be anonymous. Out. Yeah. Exactly. Like if these people were like, I don't care, don't make me anonymous. I could see that they're absolutely real profiles. I'd be way more like, oh yeah. But for now, I have to still be at ground zero because you never know this day, you know? So one of the messages that came from a girl that said her sister was dating a guy and then the guy cheated on her with Rachel in her sister's bed. That's just shitty behavior. That's not racist, but that is just gross. Another message says a girl transferred schools because of her and her friends and dropped out of pledging her sorority. Apparently, Rachel bullied a lot of girls in her sorority. Another message said that in college, when people of color would try to get into the college bar, Rachel would say things like they don't belong here. I think I said this last week. If it's true, more things will come out. I would like people to actually uh, release their names and uh, be on the record. And I also don't think, especially if she wins, that she's allowed to say anything about it. We've seen this several times, especially with Garrett um, on Becca's season. He wasn't allowed to publicly come out and say that he didn't believe in the Instagram posts that he liked and the, the things he interacted with. So we shall see intuitively not getting a great vibe from it, but more to come. It's like another show in itself. It's just, it's a real damn shame if he ended up picking a bona fide racist. And then lastly, here's a little fun tidbit of news. I hope someone had fun. According to Cosmo and Page Six and lots of other sources, Nemecolon staff said that they found a used condom in the trees in the woods of Nemecolon during Matt James's season. That's so gross. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess we're going to be getting some sexy time. I'm excited to see who it's with. Yes, me too.
On that note, let's get into what's your sign? What's going on with our Matt James baby? So in the season preview, we see Matt James on the curb, tears rolling down his face. And let me tell you something. I have an astrology warning for you guys. If you were born between February 6th, 1991 and May 21st, 1993, or from June 30th, 1993 to January 28th, 1994, you have something in common with Matt James. I don't know how you're going to take this because personally, this was the hardest time in my life. It is the Saturn return. Yes, this happens approximately every 27 to 29 years. And when Saturn is involved, think responsibilities, rules, restrictions, obligations, challenges, and lessons. Hashtag adulting. Yeah, it's sometimes a tough one. It's a cosmic check-in, if you want to think of it that way, and a cosmic checkup from the Lord of Karma herself. It's not graceful, so FYI, you will trip up. But this is your coming of age story. It is Saturn, the ringed taskmaster. It's here for you to like grow up and take responsibility for your own choices and your own path in life. Every time a planet in the sky is, meets the exact degrees of the same planet in your birth chart, you experience a return. For example, every year for your birthday, you experience a solar return. So this is what we're talking about. Saturn finally has gotten to the same place it was around the time of your birth. And during the Saturn return, you can actually choose a partner who is right for you. So I think this is so interesting that Matt James is in this position as the bachelor trying to find love. You know, it's a famous time for marriage and starting a family, not saying he has to do it ASAP, but just meet the person to do that with in the future. But if you find yourself in a breakup during your Saturn return, um, the lesson might be self-authorization over self-sacrifice. So think about that because- during my Saturn return, I saw a lot of breakups and a lot of engagements and a lot of babies. So it was one thing or the other. So I found my friends that were sacrificing a lot of themselves for a partner. Something crashed and like it needed to end so they could learn that lesson from Mr. Saturn. But don't fret because the breakups aren't essential. Like I'm not trying to go there. It's just that Saturn prefers you with clear boundaries. So if you have to pull back from your lover and learn that autonomy is like the real aphrodisiac, Saturn's going to put you in your place. If you play your cards right, though, you could really emerge from the Saturn return with like a serious amount of bragging rights and some street creds because that's where I am now. With Saturn now in Aquarius, it literally just left where I was experiencing my Saturn in Capricorn. Like literally, I don't even know to the T, but it's only been weeks that I've been out of my Saturn return. So I'm gloating. I've survived and I'm here with my medallions not saying like life is going perfectly for me. I mean, we are in the year 2021, but I've made it through and I'm proud of myself for just visiting my shadows and going through that. But we've seen many people land on their dream jobs, meet their life partners, or get recognized for like their first important work during their Saturn return. It's like such a very, very coming of age moment of your life. And the good news is, is that the harder the Saturn return is for you, the more growth that you've gone through to make sure that the next Saturn return, which would probably be, I think, in your 60s, to make sure that the next one isn't difficult. So pat yourself on the back 
you are self-developing and welcome. But it's not a bad time. Like, please remember. It's about finding yourself. Yeah, but that's not a graceful thing, you know? You're going to be let go from your job. You're going to find a better job. You're going to realize that something that you've always wanted to do, but maybe that you thought you needed to make enough money to finally do that certain passion was actually something you should have done from all along. You're going to find that you've been in a pattern of like toxic relationships. You might need to see that you have to reparent or that you have like daddy issues, or, you know, you might actually have an amazing one where all you're doing is winning, winning, winning. And that's totally fine too. But I think Mac James is going to be going through a lot as someone who's never been in love before. He's probably going to learn what love actually is this time. Is, and hopefully it works out. Is Saturn return a good time to find your partner and fall in love? Because it seems pretty unstable. It's the taskmaster, you know? And if you haven't learned a lesson so far up to the Saturn return, it's going to kind of like not let you run away from it. And if you're sneaky enough too, it's going to hit you harder later mm -hmm. on. So if you, I don't like to say this, but let's say like Saturn was trying to teach you during your Saturn return, not to marry this man for money and to actually marry the man who didn't make a lot of money, but treated you well and saw you for who you were and like really loved you. And then you get to like your sixties and you're divorcing your husband. And you realize that that guy that you overlooked because he didn't make enough money actually is a billionaire. Like that is a Saturn return story. There's many different variations. There's countless amounts of variations of that story, but like, that's a very good example. Excited to see him on this journey of his Saturn return. It's not easy. <laughs> I remember no. mine, but I don't, I think I blacked it out. I actually don't even remember exactly what happened during it, but I don't <laughs> think it was fun. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> Next, you guys, we have That's What She Said. This girl power bullshit. I was like, I'm sick of you guys already. I want to be on that date. And they were like, it's day one. And I'm like, yeah, I'm already fucking sick of you guys. Chesenia walks by. She was one of the ones that was like, you should be more positive. One of them was like, don't you think this is going to be your downward spiral? I'm like, no. Do you not know me? I'm like, no, but I'm just saying. You guys are either lying or fake or fucking losers. So get off of the show. This is not a sorority. She probably got the rose. Well, that's good for her. Well, now you guys know how I felt this morning because you guys were just so rude to me. And like, this was the issue I had all day. I'm here to spend time with Matt. That's important to me. So if it's not important to you, that's what's perplexing to me. Your negative energy is bringing everyone down. You were just saying the same thing as me, so. We are all just having our own experience. No one's trying to bring you down. You said I was negative. You're getting upset. You're getting upset. Yeah, because you guys are crazy. I think where the disconnect is coming from is when people are speaking for others. No one needs to speak for everyone because everyone doesn't feel the same way. Yeah, thank you for saying that because I think I'm like authentic and real. And so for you guys to like- Don't say you guys. I don't care. For like multiple people to insult my character. No, you can't lump us in a group like that. Okay, well, I will narrow you out. Like, you were rude to me earlier, if you want to go there. How was I rude to you? 
You said, I want to pick your brain and understand you and see why you act the way that you do. You said that. I said, I would like to get to know each other so we can better understand each other and get to know each other. I didn't make up those words. I just said, you said them. So like, that was insulting to me. We have to room together. We have to live together. I'm trying to make it work. Oh my God, I am so over it. Now we're going to do a throw it batch segment where we give different drinks to the different players of each episode based on their attitude, their performance, the vibe that we got from them. So first up is Brie. I'm gonna give her a spiked lemonade because she was sweet. She's something that everyone likes, um, fun. And that's just the vibe I get from a spiked lemonade. I'm going to give Brie champagne because she goes with anything. You can have champagne at any time. Here's a new cocktail name for you guys. I've never heard of this before until now, but I kind of like it. It is called Love in the Time of Coronavirus Cocktail. And that is what I feel for these two. Love in the Time of Coronavirus. To give you just a little bit of a recap, has some vodka, vermouth, tonic, lemon slices. They're just living it up. They're allowed to kiss, they're allowed to hug, and maybe have sex in a tree, like the Nemecolon employee says. You know, they're just loving each other and happy and grateful to be in each other's company. I'm giving Victoria a watered down cranberry vodka. She is immature, people don't like her. I'm giving Victoria a Jaeger bomb because back in college it made my mascara totally like seep down my face and she's a mess. She's a mess right now. I'm going to give Victoria something called snake wine. I'm not exactly sure what's in it, but I found it on the internet. And she's a snake. <laughs> she is a snake and it just doesn't sound good. It's probably full of venom and hate. And she's drinking her own wine, baby, because she just is hurting herself. Another big player this episode, Marilyn. I'm gonna give Marilyn like a really sweet, fruity cocktail, like something that you would order out when you just turn 21 or when you're drinking underage, like a green apple martini. I think that she like, she seems sweet, quiet, innocent. I don't think she's super mature. I'm gonna give Marilyn a screwdriver because it's simple, it's, very typical drink. She didn't think she was going to be causing any problems, yet she still has caused problems with Victoria and she's very confused because who is mad at a screwdriver? Well, she's also screwed because she didn't ask for this drama. It just like happened. True. And she might get her kicked off. So I'm going to give Marilyn a mudslide because, well, actually that should have probably gone to Brie, but Marilyn just got herself in this dirty little mess and she never asked for it and it might slide her back home. I feel so bad, but we're here for you, Marilyn. The other one-on-one -on -one date recipient of this episode, Sarah, I'm going to give Sarah an Aperol spritz. It's bubbly. It's fun. It's something that people like. Um, it's just a, a good all-around cocktail. That is funny because I am giving her the paper plane, bourbon, lemon juice, and Aperol. I am going to give Sarah a gin martini because 
It's not super popular, but it's very sophisticated, grounded. And if you know you like a gin martini, then you know the world. That's what I think. And for our lead, Matt James, I'm gonna give him whiskey, neat in a glass. He's manly, he's chopping wood without his shirt on. He's, he's sexy, he's a wilderness man just frolicking through the Pennsylvania foliage. I'm gonna give Matt a cocktail called Grow a Pear. What is Grow a Pear, you ask? It is a prickly pear-infused mezcal, pomegranate, lime. There's so many fun puns in this, but especially- that sounds delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you grow a pear? I think that with the Victoria and Maryland situation, I just needed to grow a pear and do the right thing, which I don't think he will. Well, I'm going to give Matt James a Stella Artois beer because it is both manly yet falls to the hands of basic bees. And um, I think that's what's going on right now with Mr. James. He's also stellar as a lead, but you know different ways to look at it all at once. I think like, I love him, but he did make me weak at the end with that, with that Victoria Maryland drama. Well, thank you guys so, so much for joining us for this week of Throw It Batch. Most importantly, follow us on Instagram at Throw It Batch Pod for some really fun astrology, meme, comedy content. We are on it. We are so excited to give it to you. Also, if you just tuned in this week and haven't seen last week or listened to last week, we had Jazzy Collins, casting director that has been on The Bachelor for four or five seasons, Bachelor and Bachelorette. So if you guys haven't seen the Jazzy Collins interview, it is on our Instagram on IGTV. It's about 28 minutes and we have so many amazing details that she reveals to us. She helped cast Tasha. She has a lot of opinions about Matt James and it's a really good interview. So I really urge you guys to check it out. Also, like Melissa said earlier, we are doing a clubhouse every Monday live East Coast time while The Bachelor is on during commercials. As more people join the app, we hope that you guys will join with us and watch with us. Don't worry, we aren't giving spoilers at that part if you're not interested. However, if you've gotten to the end of the episode, you obviously um, do like spoilers, so. Either way, join us. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.